This week on Business Brief, we'll dig into some efforts to get owners and tenants of leased farmland to implement conservation practices. Plus, we'll hear about a Columbia thrift store with a referral program to provide free clothes for people in need. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. It's good to have you back in the booth. How was, uh, how was your restful time off? It was great. I, As I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I got to see Taylor Swift in concert, so that was super fun. And it was just nice to you know, see my family and hang out with them, but I'm ready to get back in the swing of things here in Missouri. Wonderful. Well, like I said, good to be back here with you. And without further ado, are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Absolutely. Why don't you start us off? Let's do it. The consumer price index dropped to 5% for the 12 months ending in March, down an entire percentage point from February. The slower pace of inflation is mainly the result of lower transportation costs, as prices of gas and used cars have gone down. Consumer prices rose a tenth of a point from February to March. This is the smallest monthly increase since September. Additionally, the U.S. added 236,000 jobs last month, the most modest employment growth the country has seen since the end of 2020. The Federal Reserve will consider this information next month as it looks to combat inflation by hiking interest rates. The International Monetary Fund lowered its expectations for worldwide economic growth this year, The organization dropped its forecasted growth to 2.8 percent, down from its previous estimate of 2.9 percent in January. The IMF is also forecasting 7 percent global inflation this year. The organization believes rising interest rates could weaken economic growth enough to trigger a recession and that global financial security is in danger. President Biden ended the United States' three-year-long COVID emergency this week. Biden signed a bipartisan congressional resolution only a few weeks before the emergency was set to expire. The end of the national emergency means the end of many pandemic-related programs, including the Mortgage Forbearance Program. The same day, the administration announced it would allocate $5 billion to the development of new COVID vaccines. Emerson Electric announced it has agreed to purchase Texas-based National Instrument for $8.2 billion. This concludes nearly a year of negotiations between Emerson and National Instrument. Emerson, the Ferguson-based conglomerate, increased its offer to $60 per share from $48 per share over the past year to beat out competitors. The deal is expected to close in the first half of Emerson's 2024 fiscal year. We will be back with more Business Brief after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. Are you ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's inspirational voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, the inaugural That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Accounting Plus, will feature the powerful stories of women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support true 
north of Columbia. Find us at facebook.com slash she said Como and purchase your tickets now for an event you're sure to remember long after the curtain closes. Hey, Teddy, trivia time. Uh-oh, Siggy, you are, you're putting me on the spot a little bit here. That's right. Do you know how much farmland is rented in the United States? You've stumped me. I got to throw in the towel. How much? Well, I will tell you. About 40% of all farmland in 2017 was rented or leased, according to the most recent data from the United States Department of Agriculture. It's a similar percentage here in Missouri. Well, that is certainly more than I expected. But why are we talking about leased land? Well, many agricultural researchers are working to get more farmers involved with conservation efforts as the climate gets warmer and wetter. Research is showing that practices like no-till farming and planting cover crops have led to reduced carbon dioxide emissions and farmland resiliency. Okay, so I see where you're going now. Researchers are working to include farmers renting their land, right? That's correct. But when there's both landowners and tenants involved, it can be challenging to implement environmental changes. Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi caught up with Ray Massey, who's a University of Missouri agriculture economics professor researching rented farmland. Here's part of their conversation. Why is it important to consider leased land when we're talking about conservation? Uh, it's important because there's a lot of leased land. I mean, when we talk about farmers, uh, most farmers that are making a full-time living from farming are actually leasing a significant number of acres of land. And so they are the ones that are making the land control decisions. And therefore, if we're looking at trying to make some conservation uh, advances, those are people that we need to look at as leased land. And not just the farmer making those decisions, but perhaps the landowner who is going to be involved in those decisions as well. Absolutely. And what are some of the barriers to conservation when we're looking at tenants and landowners? Probably the most common and easiest to address are just lease contracts. So are they annual contracts or are they multiple year contracts? And again, a multiple year contract is probably going to be more beneficial to putting on a conservation practice. Are they cash contracts versus share contracts? And cash contracts cause the tenant to be very concerned about just how much money is flowing out, and so they're less likely to be uh, used for a land that's under a conservation. Uh, written contracts also allow people to put in details that would be in a conservation plan, whereas a verbal plan, a ver verbal contract, which is most common, uh, things for get forgotten, and it's harder to enforce or really check up on whether or not conservation is being done. Part of the the thing about conservation practices is getting the right practice. So what practice really will either preserve the quality of the land or prevent an environmental problem such as runoff of soil or nutrients or chemicals. Uh, and people that have ex had experience with the farm for a long time will know or have a better idea at least which conservation practices uh, are, are likely to, to help with those things. So is it addressing tenants that would solve this or more the landowners and the relationship between them? So I think it goes back to what kind of conservation practice again. So if you were looking at an annual conservation practice that just gets renewed every year, and what I would use for that would be your fertilizer activities. Uh, 
address the tenant because they're the ones that are going to make those questions or make those decisions. Uh, but if you're looking at a long-term decision, such as putting a grass waterway, maybe a riparian zone, uh, enrolling in a carbon sequestration contract, those are long-term decisions that we probably need to start talking with the landowner about so that we can uh, tell him the pros and cons, uh, and then also the tenant. But the tenant is probably being talked to by the people that are encouraging him to do it already. So it's the landowner that would be the one, the party that is not yet being addressed. And what efforts exist that are working to kind of bridge that, those barriers that you're talking about? So we're doing research on uh, what landowners, what, what their values are and how they are incorporating those values into leases. So if we talk to landowners and ask them on a survey, do you want to preserve the value of your land? Do you want to help young farmers? Do you want to do this good thing? They almost always say yes. When we ask them, are you doing it? They almost always say no. <laughs> so I'm doing research on why is there this divergence between what they want to do and what they actually are doing. And it goes back to some of these questions of really I don't know how to do it or I don't want to lose the money on it. And so we are beginning to do some research on what's called behavioral economics or nudges saying all right it, it may cost you a little bit for the first three or four years or five years but if you're going to keep that land for 10 years it's going to increase your value so we're, we're actually uh, investing money as opposed to spending money but you may not get the benefit of it until you actually sell the land or pass it on Again, my research is trying to figure out how to merge what farmers say they want to do, uh, let me put that different, what landowners say they want to do with what they're actually doing and see if we can cross some of those, those barriers or make some bridges that help them get to that a little easier. To read more coverage on Massey's research and other insights on the business of agriculture in Missouri, read the full story at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. story, we'll hear about a mid-Missouri business that makes giving back to the community part of its mission. Interesting. Tell me more about it. The Wardrobe is a thrift store in Columbia where anyone can shop and find clothes at a reasonable price. But more importantly, they have a referral program. What's that? Well, it provides free clothing for community members in need. People who have a referral can come into the Wardrobe on a Tuesday and get free clothing once a month. KBIA's Katie Quinn went to the thrift store to see how the process works. Here's the story. Sitting on the corner of 8th and Park Avenue is a white building with big block letters named The Wardrobe. A line wraps around the building as people wait for the thrift store to open. It's referral day. As you walk in, you see clothes being taken off the rack and put into black and blue plastic bags. People are trying on shirts, testing out shoes, and figuring out outfit combinations. Volunteers are also busy checking people in. Georgia Morehouse is one of the volunteers. My whole wardrobe is, is from the wardrobe. She was one of the, quote, church ladies that began volunteering at the store when it opened in 1970. Morehouse says she wanted to find a way to help the community. She's now 89 and continues to volunteer. Her favorite part is hanging up clothes and seeing people find a piece that brings them joy. And, Morehouse adds, referrals on Tuesday are an important part of the wardrobe's mission. 
everybody, but the school-age kids especially, because um, it can be so demeaning not to have the same kind of clothes that other people wear at school. Yvette Nesson leads the board and says about 100 people use the referrals every week. People with a referral can come shop any Tuesday they want, but can only use that referral once in a month. You can get a referral from local agencies here in town. Also, most of the school counselors or homeschool communicators at the schools will get the referral forms for the parents or guardians. The Voluntary Action Center, or VAC, is one of those local partners. Christy Lowe is the services coordinator and says that they help low-income families with basic and emergency needs, like clothing. A lot of families really struggle with what they're able to spend their money on. So I think when they can go and find some clothing for their kids to go to school and that maybe don't have holes or rips or tears um, so that they know their kids aren't being judged by the way they look or what they're wearing um, is really helpful to a lot of families. Lowe says VAC gave out more than 600 referrals for 1,700 individuals last year to families and other folks in need like those experiencing homelessness. You know, it feels like all we did was send a piece of paper, but we may have helped that person, you know, get a pair of socks and shoes for their feet if they're experiencing homelessness and worried about frostbite and being out in the cold. She says to get a referral from VAC, all people have to do is call to see if you're qualified. That includes living in Boone County and having a gross monthly income at or below 200% of the federal poverty guideline. That's about 60000 a year for a family of four. She says that if all people need is a referral to the wardrobe for clothing, VAC can often get the referral sent to the wardrobe the same day. Back at the wardrobe, it's been another busy referral day, though it's only been open for three and a half hours. For Nesson, it's simple. The referral program helps people. Not only people that have nothing, but people that are maybe just don't have a job right now, that they can come in and get what they need at that point in time. Nesson adds that all the clothing and items are donated by the community, and they accept donations on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. For KBI News, I'm Katie Quinn. to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, this week my word is EV enthusiasm. Okay, like enthusiasm for electric vehicles? What about it? Yes, exactly, enthusiasm for electric vehicles. So there's new insight on how much enthusiasm Americans really have about this type of transportation. According to a new poll from the Associated Press and the University of Chicago, 4 in 10 Americans are at least somewhat likely to make their next vehicle electric. Okay, interesting. What else did the study show? Only 8% of adults say there's someone in their household that owns or leases an EV, and only 8% say their house has a plug-in hybrid vehicle. About 1 in 5 say it's either very or extremely likely that their next vehicle will be an EV. For those who don't want to make the switch, most say it's due to the cost. Got it. So why is all this information important right now? The Biden administration is aiming to increase electric vehicle sales, so this poll may be helpful because it gives a snapshot of what consumer enthusiasm for those vehicles looks like. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is low odds. Okay, what exactly has low odds in the news right now? 
Well, funny enough, that would be the potential passage of legislation legalizing sports betting in Missouri. There's only a little over a month left in the session, and Senate leadership isn't feeling too positive about the bill's future. Oh, the irony. And why do legislators feel so strongly? So there are a ton of disagreements about how gambling should be expanded. Some legislators are in support of the bill, some have advocated for gambling to include video lottery machines, and some are completely against the legalization of gambling. The differing opinions resulted in eight hours of floor debate. Well, we'll have to see how the rest of the session plays out to see if the bill gets any further. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. For a closing thought, here's Ray Massey again on recent efforts to get farm landowners and tenants on board with conservation practices. So we are beginning to do some research on what's called behavioral economics or nudges, saying, all right, it, it may cost you a little bit for the first three or four years or five years, but if you're going to keep that land for 10 years, it's going to increase your value. So we're, we're actually uh, investing money as opposed to spending money, but you may not get the benefit of it until you actually sell the land or pass it on. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-hosts, Teddy Mallorca, editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.